Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Carolyn Marlowe, understudy in the final workshop and original Broadway cast. Once upon a time. Carolyn Marlowe understudied the roles of Cinderella's stepmother, Jack's mother, Cinderella's mother, grandmother, and the giant in the original Broadway production of Into the Woods, as well as the final workshops and backers auditions. She also appeared on Broadway in the original production of Sweeney Todd and did two tours of Sweeney Todd, originating the role of the beggar woman in Hal Prince's 1982 tour starring June Havoc. In addition to many off-Broadway and regional performance credits, Carolyn has been an esteemed faculty member at both Juilliard and the Manhattan School of Music, where she directed the American Musical Theater Ensemble for 33 years. I uh, was already excited to talk to you. I had you on my list because I knew you'd been in the Broadway production of Into the Woods from the get-go. But uh, dear Jeff Blumenkrantz told me that maybe you'd also been involved earlier on in some workshop incarnations. Yeah, uh, he and I and one other um, understudy, well, maybe, um, were involved (laughs) in the the pre-Broadway workshop. That's the one in 87 at 890 Broadway? That is correct. At 890 in the summer of 1987, uh, just when Michael Bennett died, I have to say. Um, at the we Michael in, Bennett Studios. We were in rehearsals when Michael Bennett died. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so we had a moment, you know, a moment of... What Was uh, Sondheim in the room at that time? Um, Sondheim was there. Uh, I, whether he was in the room at the time we talked about Michael Bennett, I don't know, but yeah. Oh yeah. He was totally at those for her at the, at that workshop. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. So, so, but Jeff probably told you some people, some of the actual performers were unavailable for the workshop. Yeah. So then their understudies, uh, you know, did did those roles. And I had two people that were unavailable. <laughs> so I was doing three roles. Okay. Oh my. Yes. And including in the in the um in the backers audition performance, I was doing three roles in that in that performance. So that was okay, that was Jack's mother, right? Jack's mother, Cinderella's mother, and Granny. Wow. 
Okay, so I was doing all three of those. Um, so it was quite a quite a thing. Yeah. So okay, let's just back up for a second because I know that you'd been in Sweeney Todd and you yeah. had done the tour as the beggar woman. Yeah. So you had a um previously standing relationship with Stephen Sondheim. And Paul Gemignani, yes. And Paul Gemignani, right. Right, right. And right. uh now uh Sunday in the Park with George, had you auditioned for that or were had you I, I know maybe it overlapped with your Sweeney tour? I'm not what was the timing for you like that? You know, I don't that's interesting. I did not audition for Sunday and I have no idea why um, I could have been, I worked a lot uh, be leading into, into the wood. Well, uh, sorry, I, I was pregnant and had a baby. Oh, well, so, Mazel Tov, very belatedly. <laughs> very belatedly, right. <laughs> um, which is why I didn't audition for the first inception of Into the Woods, which was in La Jolla. Got it. Right. So um, my, I, you know, it was into the woods was really right up my alley. And so my, my aunt, my agent was like, you know, I know Carolyn that you're nine months pregnant, but do you think you could just, and I was like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> um, so as far as Sunday is concerned, um, I, I, I don't remember that. I might've yeah. been out of town working because I worked a lot leading yeah. up to my pregnancy, actually. Yes. Um, so, and, and had you seen Sun in the Park with George? Well, yeah, I saw it at, um, I saw the first act at Playwrights Horizon. Cool. Right, so that's that was their, I, I feel like that was their first performance of it. And so I saw it there, only act one. And then later I saw it on Broadway. Um, and there were a, a number of people who were in it who were also in Into the Woods. Of course, and yeah. I, I ask because there's such a specific kind of aesthetic to that Sondheim-Lapine uh, yeah. collaboration. So I was curious, but clearly you you were familiar with that. Um, yeah. Having seen that in twi two different iterations. And so um, you go in for the audition for Into the Woods and was would this be like right after they got back from San Diego, like early 87? Okay, so yes, it would have had to been because I will, I'm going to say it was probably in the winter of 87, like yeah. February, March, something yeah. in there is probably when it was. And then we went into uh, the workshop in maybe July, something and, like that. And when you say the backers audition, you're talking about um, earlier in the spring or as the culmination of the, the spring? The culmination of the workshop gotcha. was act one only of Into the Woods, a performance for a whole bunch of people, a lot of them backers, agents, uh, that that community. Um, that's why I called it a backers audition. Sure. And yeah. is that where you had the three different endings where the, everybody died or the baker's wife lived and all the alternatives? I know nothing about that. Fascinating. Nothing about that. I, I First of all, that would have been the second act. And we yeah, only right. did Act One ah. in the uh, in the workshop. So, um, so yeah, I really don't know about that. You, they did the second act at La Jolla, and I wasn't involved in that, so I'm I'm not sure. I mean, certainly, uh, certainly things were changed. Yeah, I mean, and things were changed when we were on Broadway. Um, yeah. Whole numbers were cut. Um, right. Whole numbers were written. Yeah. Um, Stay with me. 
uh, was like an 11th hour uh, piece written for Bernadette Peters. Not Bernadette, I'm sorry, for the witch. It could have been Bernadette at that point, but for the witch. Um, they felt that she needed a, you know, she needed a, a, a solo of that nature. Yeah. So, and I think that might have been while we were actually in the Broadway rehearsals, while we're on, you know, in the theater on Broadway. So a lot and, of things changed. And so um, do you remember then from that workshop backers audition, who else was in the cast? <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, it's, I you know, I'm talking about Playwrights Horizons, Sunday in the Park with George. I'm sure, you know, James Lapine wrote that wonderful book. Yes. Putting it together. Right. Which was such a great um, uh, sort of cataloging between, because it's pre-internet, bringing together all these yeah. different people's recollections to sort of establish what actually was, you know, uh, the timeline of how the show came to be. Um, and um, that's what inspired me to want to do this podcast because there's so, you know, just different traces from different people. James Lapine at one point didn't even remember that there'd been a, a reading of Into the Woods at Playwrights Horizons. Like, so it's like, you know, uh, everybody- Well, not Into the Woods, Sunday in the Park. No, but Into the Woods also there was. No, went to San Diego. not to my knowledge. I had well, no involvement in anything at yeah. Playwrights Horizons. Well, but there was, there was a reading, uh -huh. yeah, there was a workshop at Playwrights Horizons um, prior to San Diego. Uh, so it's like everyone is at, um, has a different, things that have stayed in their memory. So, you know, even something as basic as the cast list that would seem to be uh, not that, um, you know, it's been decades and decades. So any individual names you can remember, anything? Uh, okay, I, I can. Um, uh, first of all, there were the major people that were in it on Broadway, a lot of them. So yeah. Joanna Chip, um, uh, Joanna Chip, Joy Franz, um, who, um, both Lauren and Kay. Do you know who I'm talking about when I yes, say Yes, of course. Names? Yes, okay, yes. Both Lauren and Kay. Um, who else? Ooh, uh, uh, Ben, Jack. He was he was in it. Um, trying to think who else is in the. Okay, so not the witch. The the two princes. I'm sure Jeff told you about the two princes in the workshop performance. Yes, what happened yes, there? It was uh, Burke Moses and Jeff as and that. yeah, and Burke was not playing the role he was supposed to be playing. Right. He was playing his understudy role. Yeah. Um. And and then me and then not Barbara Brin, not Merle Louise, because that was you me were playing their parts. Um. And most quite interestingly is the um is the narrator old man in the in the woods yeah so did jeff tell you who was who the narrator was no henry morgan whoa henry morgan was the narrator in the workshop production wow and at that time the narrator was not going to be the old man in the woods it was going to be two separate individuals right. Um, and I don't know why Henry opted or somebody else opted for him not to do the Broadway show, but he did yeah. not. Interesting. Um, then, then it was Tom Aldridge, and then Tom played both the narrator yeah. and the old man in the, in the woods. But that was very interesting, having Henry Morgan, um, you know, be the narrator in the workshop performance. And, um, and 
you mentioned that you were covering um, Barbara and and uh, Merle, so you were Jack's mother and Cinderella's mother and Granny. Were you also the giant? No, because we didn't do the second act. Ah, yes, you did mention that, and there. Right, I'm talking that one. And yeah. Betty Buckley was the witch. Is that that's right? For the second week, so we we had two weeks of rehearsal. The first week, she was not available, so Suzanne Douglas. Ah. Uh, was the witch because she was the first understudy for the witch. Do you do you know anything about Suzanne? Uh, Jeff said that she was brilliant and that she's sadly no longer with us. But that yes, yes, yeah. that is correct. Um, and so she was, you know, uh, for the first week, and then Betty came in, and then uh, you know, and then you know what happened. We were well. I don't know. You know, there's conflicting stories about that too. I mean, everyone has a different. Um, Oh, well, I certainly don't have, I certainly don't have the true down low on that, okay? I only know that that either they bought her out or they bought Burke Moses out. Uh, uh, it was difficult. It was difficult to judge her correctly. She was constantly arguing with James, mm. constantly telling James that this wasn't going to work. That wasn't going to work. Yeah. And, um... And, you know, I, I didn't know James well then. I, as we went on, we, everybody got to know everybody better. It occurs to me that a stronger director, I don't, I, a man with more directing experience and more confident in himself yeah. might have been able to handle that. Yeah. But see, I think that was not the case. And I right. think James felt that she was going to walk all over him. Mm. And he did not want that. So yeah. it's just interesting um, as someone who's been a fan of so much of Betty's work in so many shows, you know, you, one can't help but imagine that she might have been really brilliant in that part. Yeah, right. Um, Especially vocally. I mean, it, I can only dream of like what her voice would have sounded like. You know, right. Before. It would have said, would have, you know, it would have been great. Um, and, uh, and of course, before we ever had rehearsals and we knew that Betty Buckley was going to be the witch, um, everyone was like, oh my God, it's going to be fabulous. Uh, yeah. And then, and then that happened. Um, so it was very peculiar. I will tell you, you didn't ask, but I will tell you another, uh, another situation with the, the role of the witch. Oh yeah, please. As you may or may not know, it was played by a woman, uh, named Ellen Foley. Oh yeah. In, in La Jolla. And I've got, I didn't see that production. I didn't know who Ellen Foley was. Yeah. But at any rate, as Into the Woods went on, Bernadette left. She was replaced by Felicia Rashad. And then I think uh, Nancy Dussault, maybe yeah. somebody, I can't remember. Betsy when, Jocelyn for a while. Betsy. Oh yeah, Betsy, of course, because yeah, it took them six months to <laughs> get Felicia. So yeah, she took over right away from Bernadette. Um, yeah. So finally, and the final leader, when we're like, you know, a month from closing, okay, they finally bring in Ellen Foley mm. to do the final witch, okay? Can I just say, we were all like this. She was so good. Oh, wow. It, she was so good. It was, um, and this, you probably don't want to print this, but she was definitely better than some of the replacements that had come in. 
if you if you are happy with that being out there, I, oh, I okay. have to include it. I mean, that's that's a, I mean, I did talk to Ellen Foley for this. Um, uh-huh. I wish that I had talked to you first so that I could have passed that on, but hopefully she'll she'll listen. Um, she'll, but yeah. that, she that, was that's so wonderful good. to hear. I mean, I, I know um, there are little bits of clips on the internet, and she certainly seems good. And I, you know, I've seen her in um, different movies and TV shows, and heard her music. Uh-huh very talented but that's great to hear that uh that she made that impression in you know in the final version because it was a yeah. show in san diego and by then make no mistake by then you know those of us who stayed with the show for the whole thing were like this we're like really weary <laughs> <laughs> and then she came in and put this whole new whatever onto it and she was she was really, really good. And, you know, and personally, I felt like, well, maybe she wasn't available, but I felt like, you know, she didn't have a name, but I felt like she should have been brought in earlier if she could have been like maybe after Felicia. Do you know what I mean? I think she was in uh, Me and My Girl on Broadway at that time. Oh, at that time. Okay. So she was unavailable. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. She well, there you are. Um, uh, Marianne Plunkett. Uh, in me and my girl she she replaced Marianne yeah uh I see I I saw Marianne Plunkett but I didn't see uh yeah um, but I mean so and I think she played that part for a while and you know I see and so they're right got it it ran a lot it even kept running after after Ellen left um I think Judy Blazer was the final oh lady or whatever that character's name is yeah Um, (laughs) <laughs> but but into the woods is the show I know better than me and my girl. Um, but uh, th- so well, that's interesting. Could you tell me anything specific about Ellen's performance that made it? No, so I no. can't. I cannot. It was good. It's it was too good. long ago. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, just course. that I was like, whoa, you know. Yeah. She and I knew why they didn't consider her right from the get go. They were looking for a star, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We, well, Bet- Betty had won a Tony and done a television show. Oh, of course, yes. And, and then Bernadette yeah, had just as much, you know. Um, so, uh, and it would have been, uh, I'm certain it would have been a very different performance yeah. if, uh, if Betty had done it than um, Bernadette. Yeah, so uh, you do that that backers audition in July, you said. Yeah. Uh, yes, I would say middle of summer, maybe the very summer. beginning of August, somewhere dead center summer. Wow. I mean, beginning of August, because you opened in November and started previews in October. Yeah. So uh, I assume it's you started like rehearsals. We, we had like, I would say we had like a month off. A month off. Yeah, and something like that. When did When did you find out that Betty was out? Oh, I don't remember. Or what Bernadette was in? Was that one and the same? Or what, did you know the part was open and they were casting? I did not know that. It's possible I found out the two at the same time. I, yeah. I really don't. Um, I don't. I don't remember when we found out about Burke either. Um, I can't remember. And now Jeff said that at least for him as the understudy to Jack and Rapunzel's Prince, mm-hmm. he was not in... Uh, uh, what do they say? You know, he wasn't working back on Into the Woods until they moved into the Martin Beck. Was that the same for you or did you come to rehearsals in the studio prior to that? Wait, I'm not, Ben, I'm not quite understanding what you're saying. So Jeff said he had done the, the workshop and he knew yes. that he was hired for Broadway, but right. I guess his contract didn't start until they moved into the theater. 
And oh. I'm curious if you remember whether that was the same for you or were you- I'm in sure it was. Yeah. I'm sure that it, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't know. That would have been scary. Yeah, right. Well, I guess it was a long preview period and you had already, both of you and maybe the other understudies had already workshopped it. So it wasn't like coming in cold. Yeah, I know, but I could see if your contract, no, we had to have had a contract for Broadway. I don't know about Jeff, but yeah, that's I why they- he had the, con sorry, I, maybe I put that wrong. He had the contract, but he wasn't, uh, he wasn't working. He had time off until, uh, until they were in the theater for tech. Well, that's, that's not exactly true. We had rehearsals in the theater before tech. Sorry, I, he wasn't, he didn't rehearse the Broadway production of Into the Woods in the studio. In other words, he did the workshop and then while- Oh, the no, correct. We did, yeah. once the workshop was over, we moved into the theater in about a month. We moved right. into the theater and had rehearsals in the As theater. the understudies. Um, no, 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 no. Oh, I see. No, no. We, I, we had, we didn't have rehearsals. It was just the-, the Oh, you're saying that nobody in the cast rehearsed the Broadway production in a studio at all? I'm confused about what you mean by studio. I mean, in somewhere that's not the Martin Beck Theater. I mean, most shows rehearse in a rehearsal. You mean after the workshop? After the workshop, oh. before moving into the Martin Beck. You know, that could be, I, I was unaware of that. I personally did nothing until we moved in, until we went into the theater. Yeah. So it's possible that they did, they did particularly for those like Barbara, Merle, they had to have had some rehearsal, I would right. think. Yeah. Because changes were made during the sure. workshop from what they knew from La Jolla. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, for the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic. And as I told them, I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you can kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian-approved meals and ingredients you can trust. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. And kitchen time is kept to a minimum. They are ready in two minutes. No shopping, no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So then, assuming that that happened, 
you started rehearsals at the Martin Beck. So this would have been like um, the cast on stage and not yet in costume with just- Correct, right. Not yet, not yet. And understudies in the house. Right. Costumes, uh, you know, um, principals on stage. And then at some point, um, and then at some point they started putting them into costume. And um, did anybody tell you, did you talk to Bob Westenberg? Yes. Did he tell you about his first costume? So I guess, I guess there were several drafts of that, uh, that costume. The first costume he had on the Broadway production, they came out for the costume parade and he had a penis, okay? Yeah. It had a penis, but it evidently was a little larger than they had <laughs> And so he was up on the stage doing all these poses. And every time he would do this, the little penis would do that. And <laughs> we laughed our butts off. Um, oh. But then they changed it. It was yeah. obviously a little too much for, you know, for Little Red Riding Hood. For, yeah, for, for I think for everybody. I for mean, everybody, I right. a student matinee with that uh, costume. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay. And so I, I know that there were a lot of changes made uh, during the preview process. Mm-hmm, How, there were. Um, do I, I, was there, I guess I'm curious because it's different now, you know, where everything is on computers. Um, like, was that a lot, I imagine, especially for the understudies, you must have constantly just been getting new pages and did you have to coordinate them into a- Yeah, uh, yeah. and of course, any music that you got was handwritten. It, oh, wow. Right, it was all handwritten. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like printed music, you know. Um, yeah, we were constantly getting new, new pages, constantly opening the script, taking this out, putting, I actually have two of my original scripts. One is the first and the other is the second. So the first one is what we first have, we're working with in the workshop. And then the second one is a whole different script. That's, well, no, it's not a whole different script, but it's a different manuscript. That's got a whole bunch of, you know, changes in it. Fascinating. Do you have those handy? Are they nearby? Uh, they're probably over there. I mean, Why? at some point, if you wanted to like email me like a photo of a page, that would be okay. So- I can do that. I don't yeah. want to do that right now, but I can. I, I can. Yeah, yeah, sure. That. Whenever sure. that would be great to look at. Um, I actually was at the James Lapine um, archives at Yale last week, and I'm going to go back tomorrow. But there's even that is there's holes in what is in there. I'm just even curious just to see right, right, dates and even fonts. I mean, it's just hard to think of like, I mean, would there be confusion when you got new pages and you had to, it was on, was it each person's responsibility to maintain their own script? With yes, it, it, it was. You got the pages, but it was your responsibility. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this had to have been, they had to have been typed up on a typewriter. Yeah. I don't think we had computers right, that yeah. people were using to, to do that. Had to have been typed up on a typewriter and then copies like mimeograph, however they make right. yeah. copies. And then like, what would happen if a page ended, uh, you know, if the pages didn't line up with where the page endings would be, did you have black magic marker just cross Of course, it? right. If there was a problem, you, you, you know, you had, you had to change it. Wow. I mean, that is a lot of um, work that each person oh, has to do. those were the days. Yes. <laughs> but we didn't think of it that way. This is what it was, you know. It's almost like everybody needs their own secretary just to like learn this show. Right. Um, that's amazing. And uh so then 
Well, do you remember the first time that you went on? Oh, yes. And which I was the first person to go on. I was the first understudy to go on. Wow. Was that was that during previews or shortly after opening? Uh, no, we had opened. Um, yeah. And I went on for I, I have a funny little story about that. Funny. It's not it's not long. Um, I went on. I was the first person to go on for Barbara Brin. Yeah. And um, which was great because I had already done the role. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I say great, I mean, everybody was like, oh, God, this is good. Um, and I, I was for like the matinee and the evening performance. And so I did the matinee. Yeah. And after the matinee, uh, the first person to come into my dressing room is um, James Lapine. James knocks on the door and comes in and he tells me, oh, you were great. You were great. Yada, yada, yada. And goes, now there's this one part here. I would like you to do this when you come to that particular part. I write the note for tonight's performance. So I write the note down. I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. Okay. Bye. See you later. Knock, knock, knock. Next person is Stephen Sondheim. Okay. <laughs> comes in. Well, Carol, Carolyn, it was very good. It was very good. Let's talk about a few things. So this place right here, I would like you to do this. It was the exact opposite of what Lapine had told me to do. Oh, wow. The exact opposite. Okay. <laughs> I said nothing. I'm like, mm, okay. God, thank you, Stephen. Thank, thanks, Steve. So then I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? So I went to Paul Gemignani. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? And Paul said, go with Steve. And that's what I did. Yeah. Wow. And did you? I, Paul I, had worked with Steve more than James. Sure. You understand. Um, sure. And I went with Steve, and I never heard anything about it. James. No, so you played that part many times. I would assume. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so you yeah. didn't. It's not like James kept giving you that note again. No. He, no, he didn't. He didn't. But he might have gone off thinking, "Well, she's an idiot." I, <laughs> you know what I mean? She <laughs> did the opposite of what I said. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was a very, it was an awkward moment, um, but <laughs> yeah, funny. I was the first to go on. And, um, uh, over, over the run, um, which part did you go on for the most? Joy, <laughs> joy friends. Oh yeah. Uh, for certain. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's you get to, you, when you've done the show for a long time. Okay. You get to a point where you're like, you know, I really have a gl another glass of wine tonight, you know, or whatever. Of course, Joy's going to hear this and flip out, um, or you know, whatever. And um, and you call in, you know, and then the understudy goes on. But I went on for Joy more than anybody, absolutely. Wow. And yeah. um, was that uh, was was that it was I assume that was maybe in was that an easier part to go on for because it was less singing or was it less fun because it was less singing. Um, let me say that, um, I can't, it's difficult to, you know, make a Barb, the Jack's mother is the larger role. And I know Jack's mother is supposed to be one of the most difficult parts to sing in the score. Not for Carolyn. <laughs> no. Well, because. Who told uh, you that? Um, Barbara Brin? Well, no, you know, Joy Franz was saying that because she. Um, Wait, I'm sorry, that Barbara, that that, that Jack's mother was a difficult? Yeah, because she replaced Pamela Myers in the revival in 2002 as Jack's mother. Oh, wow. And uh, wait, am I getting that backward? No, she, sorry, she replaced know. Pamela Myers as the stepmother. She was just opining that that part is extremely difficult to sing. That was all. 
It's uh, yeah, not it's not for me. Definitely high. Yeah. Um, the you mean Jack's mother is low. It's 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 low. Jack's mother is is low. Almost. That sounds like a soprano talking, Carolyn, because uh, <laughs> Paul Ford says she has to sing like a G in the um uh the opening number and that like you know i guess the fact of the matter is i was a soprano all right yeah, so yeah I, no, the stepmother has to sing a b flat in the a b flat in the in the opening for sure oh, wow but not on a solo line no but it's she's the yeah, only one up there wow. You know, wow she's the only one on the b flat so wow. yeah um so but for a soprano joy and i uh, not really, you know, not yeah. really an issue. Um, the thing, the one I disliked the most was Merle Louise's roles. Ah, that was so difficult. So many costume changes, costume changes, going yeah. up and getting going under the stage. And you may not know this crawling up and getting out the trap door to come out of, out of the wolf's body. It, it's, it's very difficult. And yeah. as, as Cinderella's mother, you're in a tree <laughs> with a screen that you have to see the conductor through. And it's just, it was a very um, difficult, technically difficult uh, role to do. You have to sing really pretty as Cinderella's yeah. mother. Right, like a really heavenly pretty. angel, guardian angel. Yeah, exactly, which isn't an issue. It's that you're in this effing tree <laughs> with a screen. <laughs> What's the screen for? Because they, because it was a lighting situation. So oh. it was a tree until the light hit it, and then the mother came Got out. It. So that's oh, what that's I'm saying. You're singing through this thing. Um, but the sound wasn't an issue because you have a body mic. Yeah, it's, it's seeing the conductor. Wow. Um, you know, which was messy nowadays. They could give you like a little tiny. Uh, okay, yeah, a little video yeah. inside, the, <laughs> but not then. Oh. Right. Um, so that was the that was the most difficult, and it was really a toss up uh, between uh, Jack's mother and, um, and and Cinderella's stepmother. Between which I would, you know, again, Jack's mother is a larger role, so of course, you know. There you go. And so, and with the giant, where did you go to do the voice from? Have you seen the revival? Yes. Okay. Well, this is a thing that those of us who were in the original production are like, what the hell? Okay. <laughs> you are off stage on a microphone that distorts your voice. And then other stuff is happening on stage. Why they had this woman walk out with a microphone on the stage. I have, I have no idea, but that's what you did. You were off stage on the side, off stage. Um, Interestingly, though, you're off stage on a microphone, but you, the you, the giant, okay, is off stage looking on stage at the other people who are talking to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? They so are looking, looking at each other. Opposite direction. Oh, no. no they're, they're looking at you. See, they're looking off stage. You are off stage. Oh, that's so look, cool. Yeah, looking at them. So I never knew that. That is really interesting. So you and actually you got really, to interact. Yeah, you really had to do that because you really had to see when this was going to happen so that you could say this. So it was very interesting. And um, I'm not sure why they changed that for the revival. I don't know. I personally enjoyed the revival. Yeah. Um, but there were, as all of us would have little, you know, little issues like that. 
I'm also realizing now that, so not only does she have to do all the costume changes that you would have had to do and Merle would have had to do from granny back and forth to Cinderella's mother, she has the added costume changes because now the giant has to be visible. No, you weren't visible. She no. is. In no, the, the giant is not visible. In the in revival, the she's visible. Oh, yes. Yeah. That, I, I don't right, know. So you, but I'm saying they added another half, uh, they had added 50% more costume changes. For oh, that yeah. Track. Well, not that they had a lot of costumes. That's changes. true. That's true. Okay. I'm like, seriously? Um, yeah. <laughs> not that they, yeah. So. Uh, but I mean, you know, she, uh, because you, you you could have when you were the giant, you just were wearing whatever your most recent costume yes, was. Yes, right? whatever I was about to go, just whatever yeah. that costume. Because nobody saw you, you were just in your whatever costume, talking on the microphone, looking at them as they were looking up, but they could see you. Yeah, it was like that. Um, I wanted to tell you something. Yeah, in case I forget it, I don't know if you're interested in this or not. I happen to own. Um, one of the original color Hirschfeld prints of Into the Woods. Gorgeous. There were, he made 11 prints. Mine is number 26 and mine is signed by everybody. Lapine, Sondheim, everything. Gorgeous. If you're interested in that, I'll send you a picture of it. Please do, absolutely. It's quite light though. I have to say the signatures are, you know, are are pretty light, but everything. Well, that's okay. The main thing is the art anyway. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that stuff is great. I mean, all those things for social media, they'll really be able to use for the podcast network. Um, And selfishly, I just want to see it. Um, (laughs) But uh, that's interesting. And then so um, do you remember, I guess, as understudies, were you the ones that had to do most of the rehearsing with the replacement cast members before they came in? Um, That's a very interesting question, Ben. Um. That's probably true. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that would have been us rehearsing them before the put-in. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know what a put-in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, before that, yeah, that's probably true. It would have been us rehearsing with the, with the replacements. Um, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. And I mean, it's, you know, it was a, a two-year run, essentially. Would I'm trying to get in touch with someone from the stage management because I'd love to get that perspective, too. Is Frank still alive? It's I, I haven't found that out, but it seems like maybe not because I he doesn't seem to be on the internet. But um, uh-huh. but I've been I'm talking to someone at the Stage Management Association to try to get even like a production assistant. You know, I just want well, some. Marianne King is still uh is still alive. I'm a, I'm friends with her on Facebook. Oh, are you? I you know yeah. I I will look through your friends and see if I can find her there. Otherwise, I'll ask you for help. But yeah, Marianne uh, Kane was one of these stage managers. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I imagine that must have been a pretty solid um, stage management department to run that kind of a show with all those special effects and and such a large active ensemble and replacement casting. Yeah, yeah, it was. And and I had worked with Frank before. Um, and uh, I just thought Frank Hartenstein was the best. Yeah. I, I really did. I thought he was a, just a terrific stage manager. He took everything very seriously and he, you know, um, uh, if you had a complaint, he dealt with that complaint and, you know, in the best way possible. Um, and um, 
his wife, if he is Melanie Vaughn, I don't know if you know. Oh, I didn't know that. Sure. From um, Sunday in the Park with George and Sweeney. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know again if I, I haven't been in contact with Melanie in years. She and I did uh, Sweeney together. Yeah, um, sure. She was Joanna when you were the beggar woman. When I was the beggar woman. Um, but they were married. And so, uh, yeah. And, but, yeah. But he was great. And the whole, the, they were all, they were all, you know, really good. Um, the only problem is we <laughs> sometimes were with Chip Zion. Chip mostly had issues with understudies oh. and replacements. Huh. And I say that because the problem was that you weren't doing necessarily exactly what he was used to. Yeah. And then he would start giving you notes and oh. start, and it wasn't just me, it was other people, replacements yeah. for different things. Yeah. Um, so I think that was probably, you know the issue. Yeah. I wonder if it's a slippery slope where when someone is an understudy, uh, you're trying to help them learn the show. Oh, okay, sweetheart. This At this line, you want to come up stage. You got it. Good job. Yeah, I'm here for you. Anything you need. Not like that. And then, you know, <laughs> right. and then it becomes more and more like, no. That would have been there. fine. That's not the way, <laughs> that's not the way it was done. No, no, no. Uh, it was like the subtext was, you stupid fool. Why? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, that's I know, I know, and you're doing a really good job. Uh, what about um, any of the other replacements? I mean, I know you mentioned um, Felicia and Nancy Dussault, and of course Ellen Foley, and then uh, I, you know, there was all there was lots of replacements. Oh, there were. Um, the yeah, I I don't have any real uh, you know real stories about that or issues with any really any of the replacements I thought they were all you know they were all some were better than others but um they were all fine to get along with they were all uh very very nice to the understudies and um you know and being an understudy is a whole world right it's a whole different world than in those days because in those days you had to be at the theater for the whole performance. Yeah. Now I don't think you do. Now I think you just have to be within a certain distance of the theater. Right. The yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, but in those days, no, we were, you know, we had our we had pretty much our own floor at the Martin Beck, and uh we were very close. And you know, it's a whole world. We played a lot of games, a lot of twenty thousand dollar pyramid, a lot of, you know. So it was, and in some instances, there were times it was like, we were like up there playing our games and having a good time. And Frank would come up and say, you're on because yada, yada. And we would be like, oh my God, uh, I'm playing the <laughs> game, Frank, rather than going on. But, so um, now, very, and this was like you and Jeff and who, Terry Burrell. Terry, and, uh, Jean. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 they changed over time. The original understudy, Greg Zirkel, uh, Michael Piantek, yeah. um, Judith Moore, who has oh, passed yeah. away. Um, but yeah, so it was a, we were, you know, became a, a really, and those changed too. Uh, not yeah. all of us stayed until the bitter end. Right. I was one who stayed. Although I have to say, I didn't know it was going to close. None of us knew it was going to close. Really? No, they do. That's what they do. They do it pretty suddenly. They don't go, well, you've got two months and then we're going to close. They don't do that. 
Yeah. Um, they, they tell you like the week before. That's generally what they do. Um, and um, I was on vacation when that notice, I was on my vacation when that notice came out, but I had given my notice. Oh. I had, I was done. I had a kid. I was done. I, yeah. I, I write enough is enough. I had given my notice. I went on vacation. I came back. Did you hear the show's closing in a week? Well, now I'd given my notice, which is going to be an issue now for unemployment. Oh no. <laughs> right. So I went to Frank Hartenstein and I said, can I withdraw my notice by any chance? And he said, yes, let me just. Withdraw oh, that's a nice prank. And so then I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have any issues with that. I'm one. glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, and uh, you did, did you consider going on the tour at any point? Was that, I guess you wouldn't have with the kid. I was offered the tour. I yeah. was, I was offered um, the Cinderella stepmother and the understudy to the witch. Mm. Um, and I turned it down. Because at that point I had a four-year-old, yeah. four-year-old child and a husband, and um, I stopped going on the road for more than like a, you know a month. Yeah. Once I had you know once I had that that child. Sure. Um, had you covered but, the witch at all in New York? No, I had not, and um, I, I didn't. I originally auditioned for exactly what I got. Yeah. But, at the end of my first audition, Paul um, said, I want you to understudy for the witch. I want yeah. you to audition for the witch. And so he, I, they coached me on the music. They gave me the script. Um, and, uh, and I came back and did, you know, all of that. Um, but they, they went with Susan. They knew Joy was going to be the second understudy. They needed right. the first understudy. Yeah. Um, but they they decided to go with Suzanne Douglas. Mm. So I auditioned, I lined it, but I didn't get it. Gotcha. Um, well, I'll just have to dream about what your witch yeah, might me too. <laughs> now, oh, I have one more question about Sweeney Todd off topic, speaking of you, um uh my my imagining you singing. Because uh was that when you did that second tour of Sweeney with like uh, June Havoc and the one yeah. with Melanie, were did you have the other song for the beggar woman, that lullaby? No, uh, that is so interesting, that song, because um, I knew he had written that song and it's hard for me to remember exactly what happened with that. I mean, maybe it, well, no, because it's not in the video. Is it in the video? No, I don't think that um, like Merle Louise ever did it. No, no, the video, which was made in California. Yeah, which, but she was in that too, wasn't she? No, was she was not. Uh -uh, no. That was Sarah something or other. Oh, yeah, Sarah. Uh, wait, no, I'm not thinking of Sarah Rice. That's somebody. No, else. not Sarah Rice. No, yeah. it's. No, I no, you're right, though. It's Sarah. I can't remember her name, but. The, but uh, but I, cause I thought that the song was written for the London production and then put in like when he did it at, when Hal did it at City Opera. Maybe. Uh, and I knew that timing was around the time of like the tour. So I thought maybe that, that you might've had it then, but I guess. Yeah, you know, no. And I'll tell you, it's interesting about that because I knew about the song. I was told about the song and that um, I might have to sing the song and, and, it was bad in my voice. It just really? was bad for me. I don't know why. And I was like, oh my God, I, this is such a great role for me, but I can't, I don't, my voice isn't working with the song. Thank God I never had to sing it. Yeah. 
Well, so, listen, you should try it again. I'm sure your voice has changed. Maybe you'll like it in your voice now. Oh, it's changed a lot. <laughs> Let me just say. Um, there, so there's one other thing I, yeah, I have on my me. list here. Tell me, please. And that is, did anybody did anybody talk to you about Dick Cavett? Well, I understand that he would get a little off script sometimes. <laughs> a little, but, but here's, he probably did, but here's what happened. The set would break. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, and so it was useful. The set would break down and they'd have to just, I don't know what they, I don't know that there was a curtain. I can't remember. They yeah. would just have to stop and complete and repair the set and Dick Cavett would just ad lib and just hold forth with the audience. Like I, so, you know, as understudies, we, we would watch that. We would love when that would happen because Dick was so good at yeah. just ad libbing with the audience. And, you know, he was the only one that did that. You know, no one else did. Sure. I mean, uh, so when the set would break down the rest of the run, it would just be nothing, right? Yeah, they there would just be nothing because the other, I'm trying to think, it was Tom and Dick. Was there anybody else? Did um, no. did Ed ever replace Tom, Edmund Lindek? No. Okay. I, mean, I know he played the mysterious man while Dick was the narrator, but. Oh, I, yes, you're better than I am. Well, I've just um, been, I've been up to my elbows, you know. Into the woods memorabilia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Ed did not ever, I can't imagine Ed ever replacing. Yeah. I can't, wouldn't stake my life on it, but I, right. I don't think so. No, I think, I think that's right. I think that Tom, uh, I think that Dick was only in it shortly while Tom he was. He was, maybe while Tom was gone. Yeah. And then Tom came back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah. That's funny. Um and I assume you were all like big Dick Cavett fans when he came into the show. Yeah, we all knew who he was and uh, he was very nice. Yeah. He was nice to everybody. He was a real sweetheart. Um, yeah. So that was a win-win, you know, Wonderful. I thought all the way around. Yeah. And, um, oh, I spoke with Scott Frankel and he was talking about having been the um, conductor when, when Paul would be gone. Um, do you have any memories of that? Was that, or did that not overlap with you having to go on maybe? Well, that's not, yeah, but Scott was not the, I don't think the original assistant conductor. Right, I think it was Paul Ford and they shared the job maybe. No. It Eric was, Stern. It, it was somebody, I feel like it was somebody else because whoever it was, with the first time Paul was gone, uh, what was very difficult for me, I was on, and it was very difficult being Cinderella's mother in the tree mm. because Paul knew yeah. it was an issue. Yeah. Whoever it was was conducting down here. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I have to say, I don't remember. I don't have a recollection yeah. of that. Um, so, yeah. Wow. 
Well, I, this is so great, Carolyn. I really appreciate you talking to me. It's been so oh, wonderful. Certainly. Absolutely. I wish I could remember better, but I, I mean, that's, you're, you're not alone. It's a lot of yeah. years and, you know, that's why I'm glad I'm doing this now. And, you know, there'll be a record that, you know, people will have like with the Sunday book. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to send you a text. I'm going to send you that picture great. in the text. Great. Yeah. That if I find anything in my, if I find, if I open my two scripts, I'll, I'll I mean, screenshot you that. Anything you send, I'll be- Anything I can find. Okay. Yeah, literally anything. It could be, you know, uh, a rehearsal schedule. It could be- a Well, new- has anybody talked to you about the magic beans? No, I've heard nothing. What? Nothing. Not the, one- The Sondheim beans? No. No, seriously? Yeah. Sondheim gave everybody opening night silver beans and a velvet patch and the beans have an anagram on them it's his initials your initials and if you and and if you anagram it it's something like thanks carolyn or thank i have them this is absolutely magical i'm so i know i have them i will put them on something black and i will take a picture of them and send it to you oh i'm so happy about that Thank yeah you. nobody told you about those oh no, not stuff. one person yeah oh my god yeah 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 joanna merlin gave every all the women a scarf i still have my scarf i, I still love it i know so i bet must... she has good taste in scarves joanna merlin what I bet uh, well this mine was very nice i'm so, sure yeah uh not joanna merlin did i say joanna merlin you did yeah i am an idiot okay no Joanna Gleason. Okay. Well, Joanna Gleason gave scarves too. Scarves. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll take a picture of those. I'm so great. amazed nobody told you about those beans. I know the beans sound so cool. That's great. And then if you were with it to the end, yeah. okay, and I have it sitting right here, um, you were given the score with Sondheim's signature. In. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Look out for episode 22 with Scott Frankel, assistant conductor on Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.